Welcome to Benson and Those Guys. Our show is brought to you by the good people at Town & Country Pest Solutions. I am Benson. They are Those Guys. This is the number one faith-based sports talk show in all of Rochester. What up? We are standing on the goal line. I have the team. I have the fullback. So rather than pass the ball, I'm going to hand it off, and we're <laughs> going to get right into our show. Joining us right now on the BTG studio line are Steve and Lori Zeller. They are the parents of three sons, all who have made it to the NBA, Luke, Tyler, and Cody Zeller. They have also authored together a new book called Raising Boys the Zeller Way. How you guys doing? We're good. You're on the speakerphone with Steve and I. Hi, Hello, Steve. Rick. The book is due to be released this spring. What made you decide to write a book, and can you tell us a little bit about it? Uh, we've actually had several people ask us if we would uh, be interested in writing a book. Um, I think they've observed our boys as they um, play through high school and college and, and now um, at the next level and um, kind of observe the type of people they are on the court and off the court, and they've, they've asked us, how did you do it? And so... Um, we kind of toyed with the idea a little bit and, and decided that um, just the experience that we had, um, you know, we're the first to admit that we're not perfect parents, but if there's something that we can pass along to help other parents, um, that's kind of our purpose with the book. Steve, I think it's you who wrote this particular chapter in the book where you share of an account of a car ride with Luke coming back from a basketball tournament. You have one of those moments as a parent where you we think how you're talking with your children, specifically why focusing on character is critical as compared to focusing on performance in the lives of a young athlete. Share with us some regarding the importance of not simply dissecting our kids' performances as it seems so easy for us to do as parents. Yeah, it is. It's very easy for us to do as parents. And what you do is you think that you're doing the right thing because you're telling them, how to get better, how to do the things that we think they need to be doing better. And in the meantime, we forget that they're kids and we forget that they're trying to process all this and they don't have the experience that we have. And it just, uh, it was a, an eye-opening experience. And, and from that point on, you know, having him look down at his feet and I've just, I thought, explained to him for three hours everything that he should do better, and I'm feeling pretty good as a dad because I'm trying to lead him in the right direction, and he's looking down at his feet after those three hours and says, was there anything I did right today or this weekend? And uh, it was a, at that point on, I just made a little pack with myself that I'm going to tell them something positive, and I'm going to wait for them to ask. And when they ask, two things happen. One is um, things have You've got some time in there, so you're not ready just to unload on them. And the second thing is, if they're asking, they want to listen. So it's a uh, it was a win-win situation for us, and, and unfortunately, Luke had to experience that. We're talking with Steve and Lori Zeller, authors of the soon-to-be-released book, Raising Boys the Zeller Way. You can pre-order a copy at zellerbook.com. How big a part did faith play in raising your family? Oh, it was um, obviously the most important thing. Um, it's really what guided us in, in what we did as parents, and um, and we hope it had an influence, obviously, on our boys. But um, the faith is our faith is the basis of of our daily life and really everything that we do. So it obviously played a huge role in raising our kids. 
Now, you live in Indiana, and most of us know how important basketball is to a Hoosier. Luke went to Notre Dame, Tyler to North Carolina, but only Cody went to IU and played for the Hoosiers. Cody is also the baby. Can we, can we assume he's the favorite? <laughs> well, that's, a, that's an argument that's going on with the three boys for a long time, uh, and it will continue going on for a long time. Uh, to say as far as why they ended up where they, they did, um, you know, like Lori said, our our faith is, you know, God uh, definitely, we went from, Lori and I were high school sweethearts in Iowa, we went from Iowa to California to Minnesota, Indiana to get here, and I always said that, um, you know, it had to have been somebody other than me making that decision because um, they would have been funny-looking seven-foot hockey players up in Minnesota. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, as far as the where why Cody ended up at uh, IU and the others ended up elsewhere. You know, it's just the way it played out. I think all three of them are very happy with their decisions and where they ended up. Now, while at North Carolina, Tyler was part of an NCAA championship team, uh, both Tyler, Cody, first-round NBA draft picks, and I'm not intending to put you on the spot, but of all the many accomplishments over the years, is there one thing that perhaps sticks out to you as being most special? Yes, they're academics. Their academics, you know, Luke was a uh, high school um, valedictorian, and Cody was a, a salutatorian, and then Tyler ended up third. And the reason Tyler ended up third is because he said, "I don't want to write. I don't have to do. I don't want to do a speech." And uh, he said that in eighth grade, and he ended up. That's where he ended up was in third place, and uh, it's just kind of ironic. But then also the one of the most memorable moments for us is uh, Tyler becoming an academic All-American at North Carolina. And, and the, the quote that he put in the paper, and, and I don't have it in front of me, but basically it, it said it meant a lot to him, but it didn't mean nearly as much to him as it meant to his mom and dad. And he just thanked us for being there with him and showing that, uh, the importance of the academics to both him and his brothers. I'm, my wife is a school teacher, and, and she's going to appreciate how quickly you answered that. There was not no wavering. Academics was obviously very, <laughs> very important to you. For big men, your sons seem to be both amazingly agile, and they possess such a nice shooting touch with the basketball. Which one of you taught them that? <laughs> well, you and I both do training now, um, um, kind of private basketball lessons and small groups and clinics is what we do now. So we're teaching a lot of kids um, how to shoot. But really, Steve spent countless hours in the gym with the boys. But, you know, he made it fun. Steve would, um, you know, he worked long hours. But when he'd come home at night, he'd be like, hey, I'm going to the gym. Who's coming with me? And the boys all wanted to go with him because he made it fun. And it was time that they could spend together. And um, Steve can talk a little bit about that. But that's a lot of times when the boys, um, opened up and they communicated with Steve. It was good, good quality time. And as you know, now that we've raised our boys, it's it's definitely not the quantity of time you spend with them, but the quality of time. And we were able to uh, go in there. And if if one of them was having you know some things that were coming up, and, and to them it was a major something, you know, whether it was classwork, whether it was you know friends that that's uh, school, somebody trying to, to bully them or whatever, we would go in and just shoot baskets, and, and in that time, they would loosen up and they would talk, and uh, we spent a lot of time in there, but as far as the, 
this chat form itself, what we did was we, um, I did a lot of watching and learning because I, I played football was what I played and, and I did play some, some high school basketball, but football was my love. So we ended up just, uh, watching and learning from others and I've kind of adapted, uh, the shooting touch that, that they have. And, and we know once again that that is something that works. And so we continue teaching. Now, obviously, to have the success your sons have enjoyed, I'm sure there's a great investment of travel, investment of time, practice hours. Were you ever concerned about burnout, and how difficult was it for you to balance other things like school and church and family time? The uh, school always came first, academics and, and always came first, and we did struggle with the, uh, you know, Sunday mornings, AAU has gotten into Sunday mornings, and and uh, once again, we believe the that you know God was was leading us and, and was with us because Luke took it upon himself um, when we were sitting in hotels he would uh, as, as early as sixth or seventh grade he would start doing um, Bible studies with us and of course the two younger brothers seeing that it kind of just took off for them as well and uh, it was helpful for us we would study the Bible not only in the in the hotel room, but we would do it on the car rides when we were all together, and and it just uh, kind of grew from there. So being able to coordinate that is always a challenge. It's always a uh, difficult to to figure out because you have that, uh, for lack of better term, the guilt that comes in there. But I think uh, you know God is not only in church; He's He's out there everywhere, and it can happen. Uh, the nice part is, is those Sundays and Saturdays, weekends that we did the Bible study, that continued on through the week then. So we felt like we got a lot more out of that in the long run. That must have been a great example, a great testimony to have their oldest brother uh, being so serious about his Bible study. That's outstanding. Yeah, Luke was a great leader. He, um, you know, he even would, um, got permission at our church to to have like a teenage Bible study on, you know, like Wednesday nights. And so, you know, he would have, he would have friends come in and, and, um, you know, lead worship. And he had a friend that played a guitar and, you know, they'd have a, um, their own little worship service. And, and really one thing we talk about in our book is that as parents, we also learn from our kids. And, um, I think Steve, Steve and I can say we were both inspired by Luke's faith and how he, um, was a leader and, and really taught us a lot, but he set a great example for his younger brothers. We're talking with Steve and Lori Zeller about raising their three sons, Luke, Tyler, and Cody Zeller, who all have played in the NBA. We're going to take a break, but we'll be back with Steve and Lori right after that. You're listening to Benson and Those Guys, brought to you by Down and Country Best Solutions. Title sponsor of Benson and Those Guys is Town & Country Pest Solutions. Serving Rochester for over 25 years, Town & Country Pest Solutions team of knowledgeable professionals can make your pest problem a thing of the past. Alligators, ants, bed bugs, snakes, yellow jackets, they do it all. Take back your home and put your mind at ease. Call Town & Country today at 585-426-5024. That's 585-426-5024. Or visit them online at townandcountrysolutions.com. Town and Country Pest Solutions, fearing nothing 
but God. GNT Youth Baseball is registering for its 2015 season. GNT has divisions to accommodate boys and girls ranging from ages 5 to 15 years. Games are played Saturday mornings beginning May 2nd and continuing through June 27th. Some age groups will have a weeknight practice time as well. All games are played at the beautiful GNT Sports Park in Hilton. The baseball programs offered through GNT Athletics teach baseball in a fun, family-centered environment that is sure to provide your family with many fond memories. For more information or to register, visit gntathletics.info. That's GNT. In retirement, will you outlive your money? It's a common question for people approaching retirement, but it doesn't need to weigh on you. Ask Ameriprise Financial Advisor Nathan R. Wegman about the new Confident Retirement Approach. You and Nathan can break down retirement, planning step-by-step to get the real answers you need. Call Nathan R. Wegman, Financial Advisor, today at 585-272-0080. Office is located at 2024 West Henrietta Road, Building 3E, Rochester, New York, 14623. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services Incorporated, a registered investment advisor. Welcome back to the show. We've been talking with Steve and Lori Zeller. They have raised three sons who have all gone on to play in the NBA, Luke, Tyler, and Cody Zeller. They have a new book, Raising Boys the Zeller Way. You can pre-order that book. It'll be released this spring, but you can get a copy before anybody else by going to zellerbook.com. Steve, Lori, thanks again for joining us. Your family seems very close-knit. Your children seem very involved in investing in other people. Now, obviously, every child, every circumstance is different. But as you look at your son's lives, um, what are you most proud of? And what bit of advice would you have for other parents and raising kids to be not only respectful but concerned about other people? I think the um, thing that we learned was came from our moms and dads, both Lori's and I's. Um, they, were both, they were farmers. Uh, both of our dads were farmers and, and our moms were, were farmers' wives and they, uh, they didn't have a lot of money. We growing up didn't have a lot of material things, but we had, uh, the love of each other and we learned from an early age that, uh, it's the relationships. It's the relationships that you form with other people. It's not the material things that you have. And we tried to teach that to our boys. Um, and it's, it's interesting to see uh, them go through as far as the NBA and, and everybody knows as far as the salaries in the NBA, but they're looking at the big picture. They're looking at, uh, hey, I don't need to go out and, and spend all this now. I want to be able to put it away and be able to invest in in uh, other people for years to come. And the way they do that is they're, they're able to, to put that money aside and be able to budget themselves out. And it's interesting just to watch them and actually makes Lori and I very proud of how they're handling the whole uh, notoriety and the material things that they're getting or could be getting from the NBA, and, and they don't do that. They're uh, more into just the, the people relationships. Stephen Lori Zeller are with us, parents to three NBA sons and authors of the soon-to-be-released book Raising Boys the Zeller Way. You wrote the book together. I imagine that was a lot of time together, and I imagine you each had your own ideas on how the process should go. Was it a challenge to write a book with your spouse? It was actually really great because um, it was a lot of reminiscing and, um, you know, telling stories. And um, 
Steve Copeland is our um, was our ghostwriter, and um, we just we interviewed with him for hours and hours, and um, he did a great job of putting our words down on paper. Um, he wrote it just the way we would have said it, and um, so much credit to him for the hours and hours that he has spent. But we really connected with him. He's um, probably about Luke's age, and he's um, just a young, fresh writer that um, has a great perspective. He has a strong Christian faith, and um, he was just the perfect fit for us. And so really, it was very enjoyable um, as Steve and I went through, and um, Steve Copeland made it um, a pleasure to work at. Um, and then when when our book was written, we ran it by each of our three boys because um, obviously we were telling stories about them and um, their childhood and growing up. And you know, when we, we wanted to make sure they were okay with what we were putting in the book. And um, the first one to respond was Cody, and and um, he wrote, he sent it back, and he had all these little comments, little sarcastic comments or jokes written in the margin. And um, when the publisher saw that, they were like, oh, my goodness, you have to include these in the book. And so we sent the book to each of our three boys, and it kind of became a book where all five of us now have um, have contributed to it. So while the chapters um, change, um, you know, like the first chapter is by Steve and the second chapter is by me, we alternate chapters. Um, the boys have comments all the way through the book um, of their perspective. So it's, it's pretty entertaining. Um, you know, as we tell a story, then um, sometimes they'll interject their comments and um, we really think that added a lot to the book itself. You mentioned Steve Copeland. He, of course, writes for Sports Spectrum magazine, one of our favorite magazines around here. How can we, uh, how can our audience, our listeners, pray for you specifically? I think if we just continue to ask for God's blessings on us and um, guidance as we go forward. Um, we have a, our family has a nonprofit company named Distinction, and. Um, we do basketball camps with character training, and um, we also do basketball training, as I mentioned earlier with that. But, um, you know, we're constantly reaching out to youth to um, minister to them, and there's so much of our youth that don't have opportunities today. And, um, you know, just pray for those those youth that, um, you know, maybe we can connect with them and, and help them and um and impact their life in a positive way. Before I let you go, do you, do you want to tell the folks how they can uh, get the book, where they can get the book, how they can find out more about it, or anything about your ministry, your websites? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you can pre-order the book now on zellerbook.com, and um, we have autographed copies and um, non-autographed copies available. And um, those can be pre-ordered now, and then you would receive them before they're available to the general public this spring. And um, the website for our um, nonprofit is distinction.org. And uh, distinction is D-I-S-T-I-N-X-I-O-N.org. And uh, the spelling on distinction, the X um, is the Greek symbol for Christ. And it's, it's at the center of the distinction name and it's at the center of what we do. So um, that is distinction.org. Well, I want to thank you guys again so much for joining us. I wish you all the success with the book. 
Thank you very much, and you have a great day. You too. Thank Thanks you. so much for joining. That's Stephen Laurie Zeller, authors of the new book, Raising Boys the Zeller Way, about their experiences raising three boys who all went on to play in the NBA, Luke, Tyler, and Cody Zeller. Tyler is currently playing for the Boston Celtics and Cody with the Charlotte Hornets. You can pre-order the book at zellerbook.com. Get an advanced copy before it's in the hands of the public. You can be that cool kid on the block who knows something before everybody else does. Can you imagine feeding those boys two seven-footers plus one more that's just shy of seven foot? Man, what their grocery bill must have been. We'll be back right after the break. You're listening to Ben and those guys. Title sponsor of Benson and Those Guys is Town & Country Pest Solutions. Serving Rochester for over 25 years, Town & Country Pest Solutions' team of knowledgeable professionals can make your pest problem a thing of the past. Alligators, ants, bedbugs, snakes, yellow jackets, they do it all. Take back your home and put your mind at ease. Call Town & Country today at 585-426-5024. That's 585-426-5024. Or visit them online at townandcountrysolutions.com. Town and Country Pest Solutions, fearing nothing but God. GT Youth Baseball is registering for its 2015 season. GT has divisions to accommodate boys and girls ranging from ages 5 to 15 years. Games are played Saturday mornings beginning May 2nd and continuing through June 27th. Some age groups will have a weeknight practice time as well. All games are played at the beautiful GT Sports Park in Hilton. The baseball programs offered through GT Athletics teach baseball in a fun, family centered environment that is sure to provide your family with many fond memories. For more information or to register, visit gntathletics.info. That's G and athletics.info Welcome back to the show. I'm glad you're with us. The most impressive thing of this past week for me was not the Super Bowl and it was not the return of the blacklist. You probably missed it unless you're an overly zealous fan of NASCAR or of Darrell Waltrip himself. Waltrip spoke at the National Day of Prayer Breakfast this past Thursday, and he laid out the impact that Christ has had on his life with the President and the First Lady sitting right there, among many other people. He began by talking about his personal life and what a disliked person that he was by by fans, by other drivers. And let me just play a bit of that for you now as he describes his personal life. But the hardest thing to do is to look back and see how you were. Uh, my personal life was a mess. Uh, I drank too much. I liked to go to the bars and hang out with the boys. Um, it, 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 I just did all the wrong. I did everything to satisfy me. Uh, whatever felt good to me, I did it. With no, no, I didn't give it a second thought. It's just that was my lifestyle. That's how I lived. Waltrip then began describing how he came to Christ, the process that led him there, and the impact that his wife Stevie had and the role that her prayer life made in his salvation experience. Stevie would always pray for me. She would always, she was a godly woman, and she loved the Lord way before I did, and she would always pray that someday, somehow, uh, we would get involved in a, a Bible study or we, that I would, that we get involved in a Bible study or a church or something. And I'd always kind of blow her. I'd say, look, honey, I race on Sundays. I don't have time to go to church. 
I'm busy all through the week getting ready for the next race. I just don't have time for this church stuff and this God stuff. I just don't have time, okay? And you know what she said? Well, I'll just keep on praying. And let me tell you, when somebody says they're praying for you, you better pay attention. And don't take it lightly. People don't pray for you if they don't care about you and if they don't love you. And so when somebody, and it used to happen to me, amen, amen. It used to happen to me at the track, and people would come up and say, uh, I'm praying for you. And I'd say, oh, well, thank you very much. i got to go now. Uh, don't ever do that. Uh, embrace that person. Because they don't take, they don't, it's not a waste of time. It's them embracing you and, 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 and caring about you. Waltrip then begins to describe the decision point when he first came into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now remember, the president and the first lady are sitting right there. And of course, it's the National Day of Prayer Breakfast, so you're expecting a faith theme. But Waltrip really made the most of the opportunity that was presented him. In 1983, I had a horrible wreck, worse than that one you saw there. Uh, I had a concussion. Uh, I went for a couple of weeks to the next couple of races. I didn't even know, I didn't remember being there. And when I finally came to, or woke up, I realized that that wreck had knocked me conscious. It scared the hell out of me. And I mean that literally. I realized I could have been killed that day. What if I'd have lost my life right there that day at Daytona? What would I have done? Would I have gone to heaven or would I have gone to hell? I thought I was a pretty good guy. But folks, let me tell you something. Good guys go to hell. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you don't have a relationship, if he's not the master of your life, if you've never gotten on your knees and asked him to forgive you of your sins, you're just a pretty good guy or a pretty good gal, you're going to go to hell. Think about that. I did. And like I said, it was a wake-up call. It, it, it literally knocked me conscious. Stevie and I started going to church. We met Dr. Cortez Cooper, one of the godliest men, preached from the Bible, loved sports, a lot like the president. He could play any sport. He could pretty much knew a little bit about every sport there was, and he knew me personally. And because of him and him talking to me, just like I'm talking to you this morning, every time I went to hear him preach, I felt like he was talking directly to me. And so we met in a high school in Hillsboro, uh, just outside of Nashville there, while they were building a big sanctuary. And we met in this high school. It was July. It was hot, kind of like being in a race car. No air conditioning. I got down off my high horse. I got down on my knees. And Dr. Cortez Cooper and Stevie and I prayed that the Lord would come into my life and forgive me of my sins and be my Lord and Savior. And that was the greatest day of my life. And he didn't leave it there. He then described the change in his life and the new person that he had become. That changed everything. Where I'd felt like I was always in it by myself, now I had somebody to pray with, talk with, to guide me, direct me, the wisdom of the Lord. I, I had it. He also shared a touching account of answered prayer and God's blessing in his life regarding his firstborn daughter. Stevie and I wanted to have a family. We, had, we, we were having trouble having kids. We had a couple of miscarriages. And we were praying, God, 
can you just, you know, can you give us a child? And we'd gotten so to the point where we thought, well, we'll just adopt. We're not going to be able to have kids of our own. We'll adopt. And then Stevie got pregnant, and we prayed, and, and the Lord said, gave, gave us peace about it. He said, hang in there this time. I got, I got something special for you. And sure enough, Jessica Lee Walter, uh, September the 17th, 1987, we had our first child. I, folks, was on cloud nine. I was so excited. I couldn't wait to get to the track. I left that weekend to go to Martinsville. I get to the racetrack. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a proud papa. And everybody's congratulating me, congratulating me because they knew how badly we wanted kids. I go over to my race car on Sunday morning, and in the seat of the car is a vase with one rose in it. And a note. I pulled the note out. I opened it up. And it said, win this one for me, Daddy. Huh. uh, That was quite a moment. Um, I'd never been called Daddy before, and and I'd never been a father before. And I was so, I was so happy. And I I have to tell you, this, this, this this is a fairy tale. I never led a lap of that race. I wanted so badly to win that race for Jessica. Never led a dat gum lap until the last one. <laughs> and you won't believe what happened. You know, people say, can you tell me a time when God showed up? I don't think he was working against those other guys, but he sure was working for me. I know that. <laughs> we go off the last of white flags in the air, and I thought, man, I'm running third. There's nothing I can do. Dale Earnhardt and Terry Labonte, they're a little bit quicker than I am. They go down the back straightaway into third turn at Martinsville, a little paperclip racetrack, and Terry bumps into the back of Dale. And when he does, both cars get a little loose, they slide up the racetrack, and D.W. goes driving back. (laughs) He actually shares a very similar story about another daughter's birth and yet another victory. But then he gives us a little insight onto the godly woman that God has blessed him with as he shares a story about Dale Earnhardt Sr., one final story for you is about Dale Earnhardt Sr. I don't know how many of you people knew the old intimidator. One tough customer, my biggest competitor. We were frenemies. <laughs> we were friends off the racetrack, but not so much on the racetrack. And this beautiful redhead down here, she loved Dale and Dale loved her. And she witnessed to him just as much as she witnessed to me. In 1994, Neil Bonnet lost his life at Daytona in a practice crash. Sunday morning, Stevie had always put scriptures in my race car on a note card. Not good luck charms, just encouragement. Whatever happened that week, the scriptures sort of fit the events of that week. We're standing on pit road, praying with some of the chaplains from MRO, and Dale walks by. Now, Dale's one of those guys that, you know, he's a tough guy. And so for him to pray or to acknowledge that he may have a relationship with the Lord was pretty hard for him to do. But he walks by, Stevie grabs him, says, come and pray with us. We all huddle up on the pit road there, and when we finish praying, Stevie hands me the note card with the scripture on it, and Dale grabs it. And he says, what's that? And he read it. And he looked at Stevie, and he said, where's mine? <laughs> oh, my gosh. She ran to the our pit box got a note card, wrote a scripture, put it on the note card, and ran back to Dale's car, and Dale put it on his dash. 
And so from that day until 2001, when he lost his life at Daytona, he had a scripture in his car, just like I had in my car. You have to know something. Me and this guy, we were fierce competitors. He didn't like me and I didn't like him when we were on the racetrack. That woman would make us pray together. That, Stevie would grab him and grab me and say, I want y'all to pray together. And we'd, nah, 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 nah. <laughs> and then, and then to make it worse, she'd say, tell him you love him. If you're just joining us, I'm sharing some remarks from former race car driver Darrell Waltrip as he spoke at the National Day of Prayer Breakfast this past week. Among those in attendance were, of course, the President of the United States and the First Lady. He then concludes his speech. This is Waltrip as he describes the Lord as a strong tower. The hardest thing about being here this morning was, as I prepared, and I did prepare, uh, was, <laughs> was, was looking back. And, and remembering how I was. But the good news this morning is uh, I'm not that way anymore. I, uh, I just share this. You don't, have, you don't have to walk alone. You don't have to carry all those burdens like, like it's you against the world. You have to do like I did. You got to get off your high horse and get on your knees and ask for forgiveness. He's waiting for you. He was there all the time. I just didn't I just didn't know it or acknowledge it. I told you when I got up here, I wasn't running for anything. But I will tell you this, I am running to something. The Lord is a strong tower. The righteous will run to it and be safe. God bless you. God bless America. God bless our president. And thank you for letting me share with you this morning. Great stuff there from former race car driver Daryl Waltrip. You can probably find that whole speech somewhere on YouTube. You're listening to Benson and those guys brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions. McAfee's Remodeling is a full-service remodeling company, locally owned and operated for nearly two decades. McAfee's team of professionals can help remodel or replace your windows, and for exterior and interior remodels, no one beats their personal and professional service. Call McAfee's Remodeling at 585-402-1070. That's 585-402-1070. Or visit them online at McAfeeRemodeling.com. G&T Youth Baseball is registering for its 2015 season. G&T has divisions to accommodate boys and girls ranging from ages 5 to 15 years. Games are played Saturday mornings beginning May 2nd and continuing through June 27th. Some age groups will have a weeknight practice time as well. All games are played at the beautiful G&T Sports Park in Hilton. The baseball programs offered through G&T Athletics teach baseball in a fun, family-centered environment that is sure to provide your family with many fond memories. For more information or to register, visit gntathletics.info. That's G and In retirement, will you outlive your money? It's a common question for people approaching retirement, but it doesn't need to weigh on you. Ask Ameriprise Financial Advisor Nathan R. Wegman about the new Confident Retirement Approach. You and Nathan can break down retirement, planning step-by-step to get the real answers you need. 
Call Nathan R. Wegman, financial advisor today at 585-272-0080. Office is located at 2024 West Henrietta Road, Building 3E, Rochester, New York, 14623. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services Incorporated, a registered investment advisor. Welcome back to Ben's and the Nose, guys. Michael Johnstone is the European Director for Global Baseball, and he joins us now on the BTG Studio Lines. Michael, good to have you. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, uh, thanks for having me. You have a very interesting background. I understand you're born in Venezuela, raised in Southern California, lived in Vienna, Austria, and you actually played ball there. What what was that experience like, baseball in Austria? Yeah, it's, uh, it's an interesting place because baseball has only really been played in Vienna for about 30 years, and so it's it's pretty early on in its existence there and and so the development of the game is is taking an interesting path uh where it's kind of following the the club route uh as most European sports do but um it's still taking some time. Uh they've uh really the guys who are who are at the elite level in Austria now, the, the national team players are are really maybe the second, maybe the third generation of guys who have been playing the games. You and your family are preparing for a move this summer to Kosovo as missionaries where you seek to establish baseball as a national game there. Now, I don't think of Kosovo as a baseball hotspot, but is it? Uh, well, we hope that it will be soon. Uh, yeah, nobody really thinks of Kosovo when you think of baseball, uh, certainly a few years from participating in the World Baseball Classic. But, yeah, it's, uh, while we were in Vienna, we were teaching at an international Christian school, and one of the, one of the unique things about that is that we had we had international uh, ambassadors come and speak to our students pretty regularly. And so the Kosovar ambassador came and invited us to, to just see what we could do, partner with the country and, and provide a new option for the for the young people there. And yeah, Kosovo is a, a very pro-American country. To bring over the American pastime, there's, there's some excitement there. What are your plans and what are some of the things you will do there in Kosovo to build the game? Yeah, well, we've already kind of started. Uh, even though we're we're not over there yet full time, we started with with a week long camp back in July of, of last year, where we we partnered with a local school and had 200 students that we just kind of started at the very beginning. Uh, you know, this is a glove, and you put it on the hand that you don't throw with, and uh, uh, started simple there, and then just started going through some of the some of the fundamentals, and yeah, just started introducing the game and kind of hard, you know, from trying to introduce. Uh, small pieces without a full understanding of how it all fits together. So that's, uh, that's an interesting component that we're kind of working through because, you know, I would say probably 99% of the kids that we're, we're going to be working with and adults that we're going to be working with, uh, have really never seen a game of baseball. And if they've, if they've seen a reference that's been in a movie, uh, without really any, really any context. So we, we hope to start with, um, you know, we did this academy and then we did a, a coaches academy just a, a few weeks ago. We went over there and, and worked with some, some athletes and, and young men and women who are interested in, in using sport to develop their country. And again, taught them the basics and, and we're already seeing some, some fruit from that. These, uh, there's a couple guys that have already started to introduce the game to the kids that they work with in their own organization. Uh, so we're just kind of, Kind of just start getting kids interested and young adults interested, and then we'll we'll set up a little league program and and then go from there. It would seem from your background that 
God has really prepared you for this latest missions venture. How will you use sports, uh, specifically baseball, to introduce people to Christ? Yeah, you know, I think, uh, you know, the Lord definitely does use experiences and, and locations and everything else to really prepare you for certain things in life. And, you know, it's definitely true in this case. And, you know, I think, I think a lot of times maybe we as Christians, when we're, when we're talking about evangelizing and, and spreading the gospel, we, we, we maybe get too gimmicky. Maybe we get too, uh, we try to find the perfect, the perfect blend. But I think, uh, really it's about building relationships and, and, and strengthening those relationships to the point where, where your life story uh, matters to them and where, uh, yeah, how, how the Lord has worked in your own life starts to matter to them. So that's, that's really been our main thing. You know, we all, you know, all of us who love sports and have played sports, you know, we can look back at the coaches that really made an impact and that were, uh, you know, fully involved in our lives and not just about our, our athletic performance, but really cared about what we were doing. And, you know, all these experiences have prepared me now where, you know, we can go over to Kosovo and just invest in the lives of the people that we're working with. And, uh, you know, we introduce a game like baseball, but then we're also, uh, just, just being there and, and being part of, of life and, uh, you know, shopping at the, the same grocery stores in the market and eating at the same restaurants and having people over using, using that as the way to build a relationship to then uh, be able to present the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think sports is such a platform to building relationships. It, it just seems so natural and so easy to do through sports. Well, you spend so much time together, and, uh, uh, you know, between practice time and game time and travel time, and, uh, you really do become like a second second family, and that's really where where the sauces is made and where all the bad stuff comes out, but where all the good stuff uh, is where the power of God can come through. Uh, so, so clearly, uh, when all the kind of the superficial, you know, I don't really know you, so I'm going to just say the right thing, you know, that stuff goes away after you're around everybody for a couple hours. So, any move would seem to be a step of faith, but certainly moving to a place like Kosovo is uh, a major step. Can you share a little of how your wife and perhaps even your children will partner with you in the ministry? Yeah, um, our family is, is also kind of an interesting family. Uh, my son was born in our senior year of high school. So he's been around for really our, our entire family life. He's been, he's been right there and been involved with all the moves in our 15 years of marriage. We've moved 15 times and, and that's before even going to Kosovo. So there's been a lot of, a lot of moves and a lot of changes. And I think the Lord has used that to prepare us for, for this type of life as well, serving him internationally. But, uh, my son is 15 years old. He's a, he's a, he's a baseball player and he'll be very active. He'll kind of be my right hand man until we kind of are able to develop a, a team and, um, but he'll definitely be very active there. And, uh, we have a three-year-old daughter and so she makes friends wherever she goes. And so that's actually, uh, you know, the Lord has provided her, uh, as a blessing in many ways, but also as a way to, to connect with, with people, you know, cause you have the, the shared, shared experience of raising a family and, and that's a way to, you know, build relationships. So my wife is, is, is all in with, I mean, she, she felt the call to go to Kosovo, uh, as strong, if not stronger than I did before I even realized that baseball was going to be the way that we could, um, you know, what we could do to the ministry platform. She was already, uh, you know, the Lord was already putting a, a great love for the people of Kosovo and for the country of Kosovo under her heart. So she's, she's just as anxious and excited to get over there. 
We're talking with Michael Johnstone. He's the uh, European Director with Global Baseball. Will soon be a full-time missionary to the country of Kosovo. Working with Global Baseball, you obviously have a heart for short-term missions. Can you share for a moment how short-term sports missions trips can be both impactful to those who go on the trip and also for those who they minister to? Sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, one of the things that Global Baseball has the privilege of doing is is partnering with with international partners and using baseball um, as kind of a platform for these short-term teams. And so, you know, in the past, these these trips have been used as kind of stepping stones into maybe more long-term development. It's served as a way to get young men involved in in full-time international missions. I know our national director, Pete Millar, uh, it's kind of the way he got connected with with Global Baseball was through a short-term trip and and uh, after his experience with the short-term trip, realized that the Lord was calling him to to make that full commitment to to work on a regular basis um, internationally. And so, you know, I see that as as a great drive uh, to some of the things that we do. Is that it really is about mobilization. So really, it's about that long-term development of of the desire to serve the Lord elsewhere, and and also see how they can serve God where they're at and where God's called them to be. And yeah, so we really see. Uh, the role of short-term trips are to uh, to provide you know, provide another option for the people who are who are long-term in in the in the field. They can bring people over that can kind of just really help augment how how we're doing ministry, but then also to mobilize guys for the future and to raise up raise up guys who are serving the Lord through sports, uh, you know, for years to come. Michael, when did you first come to know Christ as your Savior? And can you talk a little bit about your salvation experience? Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, I've always kind of, kind of struggled with this idea uh, of having this, uh, this salvation story and come to Jesus moment. And I realized that, you know, I've been, I've been really fortunate that my testimony is the testimony of generations. You know, the Lord continues to work through the legacy of, of my grandparents and, uh, you know, just the, the love for Jesus that they instilled in my parents and, and then, and even while, while I was young, uh, you know, my fondest memories of, my grandma Mary, you know, praying for us on her deathbed, you know, and just, just, you know, such a, such a really difficult time, but, but just that her, her faith was real and authentic. And, and I'm, you know, in some ways I'm, I'm reaping the benefits of, of their faithfulness, uh, that even through difficult times, they, they continue to rely on Jesus. That's my story is that I haven't, you know, obviously we, we all make our mistakes and we, and we fall and we, we sometimes walk away from the Lord, but, but I was I was blessed with a with a firm foundation from from the moment I was born, and I was born in the mission field with uh, you know parents that sacrificed a ton to to serve Jesus overseas, and, and yeah, so I mean that's really my my salvation story is, is that generations have been praying for me, praying for me before they even knew that that I was coming. And I think that's the, that's the cool thing to see the the long term impact and legacy of our faith is not just about uh, us. And, and the people that we impact on a day-to-day basis, but it's the generations that come after. Yeah, praise God for the impact a godly family can have. You know, you don't have to go through those terrible things to come to Christ. You have that example of parents and grandparents. Uh, praise the Lord for that. What are some yeah. needs? Uh, how, how can people here in the States be a help to you and your ministry? Well, there's, uh, there's a lot of ways. I mean, the global baseball is... is uh, you know, mobilizing in multiple countries. Uh, we work currently in, in Ecuador, in Cuba, uh, working on a, on a more long-term project in the Dominican, 
We also take uh, trips to Israel, and then in Europe, we're working this summer in Austria, Kosovo, Hungary, and, and hopefully some other places. You know, people who love Jesus and love baseball can join us on these trips. Um, and really, the beauty of these trips is that baseball ends up becoming such a small portion of it that, that people who, who really don't have the desire to coach or, or really the skills to coach, they can come over and, and continue to be part of the team as well. So checking out the, the opportunities on globalbaseball.org, uh, I think for this summer, we've got We've got five or six trips that are planned or over the next six months or so. Uh, but then we're also a fully support-raising uh, missions organization. So the work that we do uh, overseas and, and even some of the domestic work that we do can only be done with the financial support of people. And so, you know, the, the, the role of people sending and praying and going, you know, all those things play play an equal, equally vital part uh, to, to us going and, and working with the kids on a daily basis. We like to take requests from all our guests, so how, how can we pray for you specifically? Uh, thank you. Uh, we're in this uh, this home service or furlough year that uh, just throws a lot of lot into turmoil. You know, a lot of transition, a lot of uh, travel, and and uh, talking about the ministry and, and sharing our needs, and you know that can get really tiring sometimes. So I think the strength, uh, the strength just physically to be able to continue to do all these things, and then also. Just the strength of faith that you know, as we as we have these visions for for what the Lord's going to do in Kosovo and throughout the world through baseball, you know, sometimes that gets a little hard to see uh, when finances aren't quite in line with what we would want them to be or or everything else. But we've been we've been shown over the last six to six months to a year that that the Lord is going to provide and that He is faithful in, in His promises. And you know, it's not just a cliche throwaway that it is about His timing and that we've seen that His timing has been perfect, but but uh, definitely having prayer for, for faith in that timing would be would be very much appreciated. I'm so grateful to you for coming on. I look forward to connecting with you again down the road and hearing some of the God stories and what's going on in Kosovo. Yeah. But is, is there anything else you'd like to share before I let you go? Well, you know, I think uh, one other element of, of global baseball that I neglected to mention was some of our domestic ministry. And, you know, we're working with, uh, Christian universities. We have, uh, what we've called the Christian University Partnership Program. And, and I'm actually, I have the privilege of taking part in it right now as well as a assistant coach at Providence Christian College out here in Pasadena. And basically what we do is, is we get guys trained up as, as cross-cultural workers, but then also as coaches to join the coaching staff of Christian universities that are budget strapped. You know, it's difficult to really, uh, have multiple coaches on staff and, uh, so we kind of try to ease that burden, but then we also help meet a need uh, on the teams where where we help to disciple and train up the uh, players and, and help them grow spiritually. So we're working with them on the field with baseball skills, but then also, uh, you know, really the most important thing is that these guys don't leave uh, their their time at a Christian university having not really grown in their walk with the Lord. So. Uh, you know, because it's obviously no guarantee uh, that a Christian athlete at a Christian university is going to become a stronger Christian at the end of this four years or five years or whatever. So, uh, so having guys who are, you know, this is a, a program that's pretty unique, uh, not really being done by many of the other Christian baseball organizations out there. Um, and actually, we were encouraged by Dave Daly, I guess the director of Fellowship of Christian Athletes Baseball, and he's actually calling for for all these coaches who are coaching either at secular schools or, or at Christian schools to have a full-time staff member coach who is kind of uh, spearheading the discipleship of their team. So, um, you know, so guys who are maybe just out of college, uh, maybe finish, they feel like they're done with their playing career or whatever, that uh, that there are opportunities to join up with Global Baseball uh, with short-term 
short-term trips and, and mid-term internships, but then also for, for full-time support rate in ministry where they can uh, become a college coach and get some experience that way, but then also really invest in the players' lives and, and help them grow. Having guys mobilized is really a passion of ours. So that's kind of the last last little piece. I want to thank you again for coming on. I'm praying God will bless your efforts, and you know, thank you once again. Thank you. I look forward to being on the show uh, sometime in the near future to, to really share how, how those prayers are, are really impacting the ministry. Once again, we've been talking with Michael Johnstone. He's the European Director for Global Baseball. You can find out more information at globalbaseball.org. Michael and his family will be heading to Kosovo later this year as missionaries, training up baseball players, and using the game to build relationships in order to share Jesus Christ. He talked about some exciting opportunities in that interview, talking about short-term missions trips. If you love baseball, if you love the Lord, what an opportunity to get involved serving and impact not only yourself but other people. But also at the end of that interview where he talked about opportunities for college players who have finished their career, not really sure where what they're going to do or where they're going to head, to intern as a coach, come alongside somebody and help them in building the relationships, help make disciples. Great stuff from Michael Johnson. You can find out more, globalbaseball.org. Nice to be talking about baseball again. Now let's hear from Darren. I'm sure he's got something unreasonable to say. I bleed Syracuse Orange. Always have, always will. I can probably name you every player from about the 1998-99 team to present. And every March, my happiness lives and dies with the Orange. But this self-imposed postseason ban is a joke. I'm not buying it. Does Bayheim and the University really think that fans of college basketball or the NCAA are going to miss the fact that this year's team is a bubble team at best and pretty likely to miss the tournament anyways? They're not losing out on anything by banning themselves this year, but as much of a joke as this move is, I agree with it, because we all know that the old rich people sitting in their ivory towers getting more rich off unpaid athletes, I mean the NCAA, has to punish somebody. And why not punish a bunch of kids who had absolutely nothing to do with the infractions? That makes perfect sense. There has got to be a better solution for all of this, but why take the time to change it? This terrible system has been in place for years, and teaching kids that they can be punished for someone else's crimes is definitely the way to go. I think that's going to turn out to be a mess there with Syracuse. It's going to be a nightmare. I I don't know where that's all going to go, but when when you're self-imposing and you're saying... Hey, man, our bad, we'll just give up on this season. You weren't going anywhere anyway, so if no. you're going to give up on a season, this is the one to give up on. <laughs> but that means you know you got your hands in the cookie jar, and you're going to be you're going to be getting in a little what's, trouble. What's bothering me, though, is these, these players now that are on the team had absolutely nothing to do with any of it, and they're the ones that are going to get punished for it. And they still haven't told us exactly what they did. They were, we're banning ourselves from postseason play for just some stuff that we did a while ago. We don't even know what it was, right? Uh, we don't have time with the time that's left in the remaining of this show to really get into that, so we'll talk more about that next week. Zach, why don't you give us your Pest of the Week? My Pest of the Week was last week's PGA tournament, the Waste Management Open. In addition to Tiger Woods sending a shot into the crowd on purpose, their sewer system overflowed and thousands of fans were walking through raw sewage. <laughs> oh, Wonder what kind of yes. liability that opens up, and poor Tiger Woods, man, he's just withdrew from this tournament this week. Um, it's probably because uh, he chips worse than I do now. Yeah, that those injuries. I don't know. I don't know if it, what that means for golf. Are, are we ever going to see Tiger 
back again. Uh, it's not really looking good for Tiger Woods. Anyway, my pest of the week, um, no big surprise. My pest of the week is Pete Carroll, the <laughs> offensive coordinator, whoever it is on the Seattle Seahawks that decided to not run the football. Yeah. <laughs> You've got not the number two running back. You've got the best. I know there's somebody out there on Facebook says you got the number you got the second best running back in all of football. No. <laughs> Let me tell you, if it comes down to it and you're on that spot, you are in the spot that they are, there is nobody you want more than Marshawn Lynch. Not even DeMarco you're not going to take him. If you know you're going to go Marshawn Lynch there. Uh that my my pest of the week is one the offensive coordinator for making that call and making that decision to pass and two Pete Carroll for not overriding it. My pest of the week is the person that Benson just referenced to. It's a Dallas Cowboy fan on Facebook. You know who you are. I know you're listening. For saying that Marshawn Lynch is the number two running back in the league. Like Benson said, if I'm on the goal line, I don't care about the most yardage in a season. I want beast mode punching it in. He's the number one running back in that situation. Stop being a biased Cowboys fan. No one likes that. My pest of the week is 27-year-old Steven Anderson, a six-year seasonal employee for the Fargo Park District. Steven was arrested for a suspected DUI. Now, you might be wondering what the significance of that is. Well, Steven was the driver of the Zamboni at <laughs> the ice arena, and he was spotted in between intermissions weaving around the ice erratically and bumping into the boards. Now, this is also at a girls' hockey tournament, uh, and so, you know, I, I think of all the machines that you should be uh, operating sober, a Zamboni's got to rank right up there. My pass of the week is Steven Anderson. Goodbye, Mr. Anderson. Man, he's just doing donuts. Did you guys see that movie, Mystery Alaska, where the Rangers go up to a town called Mystery Alaska to play this group of people? I, think I have you know, seen this, this small town. Oh, it's great. It's got Russell Crowe, Hank Azaria. It's a, it's a good flick. Uh, but anyway, Hank Azaria's character gets pulled over for driving uh, the Zamboni while he's <laughs> Down drunk. The road. Except the only difference is he's not driving it around the inside of an arena. He's taking the Zamboni on home, and he's... <laughs> it's know, about he gets, the Rangers, and Hank Azaria's in it, and I haven't seen it. Yeah, I don't know and how, how you haven't seen how, be, how Russell Crowe. And it's the New York Rangers. It's hockey. It's everything you, how does you Zach would like. not like Russell Crowe? I'm ashamed that I have not seen this. What you, You're saying Zach doesn't like Russell Crowe? Yeah, he said he's not a fan. Yeah, i got to tell you, air. Hank Azaria's in the film. He's not the star. Russell Crowe is the... Russell Crowe's always the star. I just think Hank Azaria's hilarious. Everything he's ever been in that I've seen, he's just funny. Yeah, I, it's a good flick. I don't know that it's always appropriate. Burt Reynolds is in it. Uh, but it, it's it's humorous. It this is, is hockey. just getting better. Shifting gears, let's not forget about the big bet. Darren has said he can he can hit three threes in a row. I say he cannot do it. Eleven thirty today. That's uh, just in a little while. North Star Christian Academy gym. I'm not gonna miss. Darren's got yeah, okay. You got five minutes to warm up. Then you get to take three shots. Miss one of them. You do the show dressed as a woman, and we get to take pictures. I'm not even going to miss a shot in my warm-ups. It's your story. You can tell it any way you want. (laughs) I am fully confident I am going to win this bet. By the way, you can visit our website, btgprogram.com. Follow us on Twitter, at btgprogram. Do us a favor. Visit our sponsors. Give them some of your business. I'm Benson. They're those guys. You're listening to Benson and those guys. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.